One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, so the title of this message is called Unleashing the Dove. So I want to start out by asking you a question. Is the church controlling the dove or should the dove lead the church and honor the voice of the dove? I think the answer to this question Uh, once you think about it, it's pretty basic. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. He actually said, it is better that we go away so that he may send the spirit of truth, the dove out of heaven, the very thing that equipped Jesus to do the supernatural, to go into the earth and launch Jesus into the ministry of the kingdom was the dove. It was the voice of God. It was the very thing that he valued. It was the difference in the operating system between Jesus and the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, that actually hated him because he claimed to be the son of God. Well, what made him the son of God? It was the dove. It was the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so, again, I'll ask the question, is the church and the leader, particularly the leadership supposed to control the dove? Or should the leadership and the church, the people as a whole, gather around the dove and be launched into the world by the dove? This is a foundational question, and it's extremely important in the life of every believer and every church because anything, Jesus said, anything that's not built on his foundation um, is essentially built on sand. It'll be washed away. It's the work of man. It's essentially useless. And so, All of our next steps, all of our next moves, everything we do should be centered around the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, don't even go, don't leave this city. He said it to the, to the, to the 11 remaining disciples. He said it to the 120 believers that ended up in that upper room as a result of Jesus saying in Luke 24, 49, he said, do not leave this city until I send upon you the power of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father, the very thing that equips you to be sons and daughters. Because at the end of the day, the sons and daughters of God, according to Romans 8, are those who are led by the Spirit of God, not those who have the Scripture memorized, not those who have um, all these man-made doctrines and systems and have these events and skinny jeans and all, all these things that attract people such as, you know, the best lattes in town and coffee shops. What Jesus is looking for is a people to rally um, around his presence. It's not about numbers. It's about hearts who actually embrace the calling. And then Jesus goes and multiplies those who are in love with the dove. And so tonight I want to talk to you about a dream that the Lord gave me that uh, really is going to be the foundation uh, of, of the voice of the Lord and where he's taking us over the next couple months. The Lord uh, has come to me on several occasions here in, in the last few weeks and, uh, and through a series of dreams 
um, has uh, directed me to write a book. Um, I will, uh, over the next few weeks, begin to talk about the context of uh, what the Lord is unveiling um, in this new era, in this new time that we are we are about to enter into as a nation in the United States, and um, and so part of part of this is the encounter um, that the Lord gave me in the following dream. In this dream, the Lord uh, meets me at the front door of a church, and it's actually the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, walks me into the front of the church with uh, Jesus uh, is already waiting inside the church. And there's a, there's a pastor, there's a lead person in front of the congregation. And he has a dove, but the dove is in a cage. And he's He's walking in front of the people. He's showing people the dove, but the dove can't move. The dove can't fly. The dove can't uh, do anything in the church because the pastor has the dove caged. And the pastor selects a young girl out of the audience. Um, He hands her a leash um, like she's to be his assistant for the day. And uh, he opens the door, he reaches inside, he puts a collar, like a dog collar, around the dove, makes sure the the wings of the dove are clipped, and he puts the chain um, around the dove's neck and brings the dove out and presents it to the people. And from the people's perspective, they see the dove, but what they don't realize is it's a clipped dove. Its wings are clipped. It cannot fly. It's chained. It cannot move. It doesn't have the freedom. It's actually controlled by the leadership instead of being the centerpiece that leads the leadership. And suddenly the Holy Spirit turns me and and, uh, points and starts to identify the condition of the congregation. And what I see is is just so alarming to me. I see all these different demonic powers crawling all over the people. Um, They have their hands uh, over the face of the people. And so the people think they're seeing things clearly, but they're seeing through a darkened lens. It's it's almost like the hand of the demons um, is semi-transparent. And so it gives the person the perception that they can see, but what they don't realize is how limited their eyesight is. And the Lord focuses my attention back to the fact that this pastor is flaunting the fact that he's presenting the dove. And I can't explain it, but this anguish, this, uh, it was a mix of anger and pain and hurt because the very thing that Jesus sent, the Holy Spirit, was not being allowed to run free, to, to fly freely in the house of God. And I, I fell in this dream, I fell onto the floor and I started to, to uh, cry. I started to weep. I started to intercede. I started to cry out for the Lord um, that he would allow the dove to be what he envisioned the dove to be, which, would, which is the spirit of truth. You know, Jesus said, um, I, it is better that I go away, that the spirit of truth may come. And I mean, these scriptures are going through my head and my own personal experiences of, of the embrace of the Holy Spirit and how he had led me on the other side of the world to, 
to release the power of the Holy Spirit to, to the nation of India and, 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 and all of those things. And I'm thinking about this and I'm suddenly in the midst of this dream realizing, oh my goodness, he's showing me the condition of the majority of the American church. And I start to cry out. I start to, I start, I, I reach over and I grab hold of the garment that's upon Jesus. And I start to beg him to loosen, loose the dove upon the churches. And he stands me up. Um, and he, and when he stands me up, um, he rips the clothes off the pastor and basically moves the pastor out of the way and dresses me um, in what the pastor was wearing. And he then uh, opens the birdcage and takes the dove out of the birdcage without a collar, without its wings clipped. Um, and suddenly the dove becomes extremely healthy. Like you can see this vibrance that's in, in the dove's eyes. It's excited because it knows it's going to have the ability to fly freely, to move freely, um, and to do what Jesus sent the dove to do. And, you know, the dove hops on onto Jesus's hand and he moves over and um, he motions my arm for me to, to lift up my hand. And uh, when I do, the dove hops onto my hand. And all I can tell you is it, it felt like I was being plugged into electricity. It, it felt like there was, I couldn't even feel my human body. And, and again, this is all happening in a dream. And um, the next thing I'm about to tell you is, I believe what the Lord's envision of the embrace of the Holy Spirit is, which is for the launching um, of, of a church that dominates the world instead of a church that's at the mercy of the world. And so, I mean, I'm holding on to this dove and I'm, I'm it's like holding on to, 440 volts of electricity. I'm vibrating on the inside. My heart is beating. Uh, I'm breathing heavy. And uh, the dove suddenly realizes that it now has the freedom that it was sent for. And it, it flies and lands on the pulpit. And when it lands on the pulpit, the dove is transformed into an eagle. The eagle raises its wings and begins to uh, flap its wings, and its wings are so powerful um, that the wind begins to move like a like a tornado inside the church. The wind is is so bold and so dominant, um, and the and the eagle begins to screech like an eagle does as it's as it's hunting and and uh, moving wildly in the wilderness, and and the the dove or the uh, the eagle. The eagle's flapping its wings harder and harder. And um, suddenly, I, you know, Jesus points me to the congregation and I see the demonic powers no longer have an ability to uh, have their way with the people. The demons are literally blown off of the people one by one. I see, I see demons flying, uh, you know, being lifted off the people and moved. They're, they're pushed out the, the front door, the back door, the windows are open. Um, every demon is blown off the people. And when this happens, the eagle lifts off the pulpit and begins to walk down the center aisle of the church. And as it does, the eagle is transformed into a man. And I see the man, he has this reach 
Um, his arms like have the ability to reach into all four corners of the church and he lays his hand, he touches the, the, the head of every person. And when he does, it's almost like there is a, a complete transformation of the people. The clothing that they came in on, in within the church, um, the dirt, everything is removed. Um, you know, clean clothes. There's angels that appear that, that allow, to, allow clean clothes to be put on the people. Um, and suddenly, the people are literally changed before your eyes. Um, they look like they look like they're beginning to be transformed. And as the man is walking through the center aisle of the church, when he gets to the back of the church, um, he changes into a lion. And the lion at this point begins to roar. As the lion begins to roar, the people no longer are just sitting in pews and, and you know, organized seats. The people actually begin to get organized in columns um, and in, in small groups and larger groups and columns. It appears like they are forming an army. They uh, begin, I see, it's almost like the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin um, to be activated and embraced in, in the people. And as the, as the lion continues to roar, the people begin to pray. And the people begin, that begin to pray, they begin to pray supernaturally. They pray in the gift of tongues. I, I, I hear prophecies. I hear the people, um, you know, praying for each other and, and their hands begin to reach outside of the church. And I just see these supernatural things begin to be um, taking place because the people are put in order by the lion and the embrace of the supernatural, the equipping of the supernatural is um, literally expressed by the people. Um, and from this point, I see the lion begin to walk back up through the aisle like he's walking back toward the pulpit. And the, the lion um, is literally changed into an ox. And the ox um, has a yoke around its neck and it has positions um, where people begin taking positions in, in this yoke to begin doing work. And at this point, I see all four walls, the north, south, east, and west walls of the church. They literally fall down. And so there's, there's no walls in the church. And the ox begins taking the people um, throughout the city, uh, throughout the nations. Um, and so I believe at this point, um, you can kind of get the picture. This is, this is a this is a very apostolic dream and an apostolic calling that the Lord is releasing in this hour, especially um, here with this group in Toledo who's embracing uh, the development of, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that we, you know, get a full picture of, of what's going on here. Um, because the very thing that ended this dream is this. Je Jesus turned to me and said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. And Jesus is pointing, was pointing to me in this dream. Um, this is what the kingdom on earth is supposed to look like. A lot of people have watered down the concept of born again to simply being a trip to the altar. Um, and people are never changed. They're basically convicted, but they're never transformed. And the kingdom is about being transformed. Amen. And so there's a couple things I want to talk about here. Um, tonight using this dream as the the basic foundation the context 
with what Jesus wants to do in this hour. Um, number one, any representation of the Holy Spirit that is not led by the Spirit is a false representation. Okay? Trying to present the whole, trying to say that you embrace scriptures or concepts about the Holy Spirit, but not listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's a hoax. It's a misrepresentation. It's, it's false. It's actually an imposter. Um, and that's what infuriated Jesus with the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees claimed to be the most righteous, but they actually did not know Jesus. They did not know. In John chapter 5, it says that, that Jesus was standing in front of them and he was revealing to them that he was led by the Spirit. John 5, 19, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. And so that infuriated them to such a degree because they couldn't hear the Father. They did not, the Pharisees did not know the Holy Spirit. They actually knew a routine and a system of Scripture, but they did not know the Holy Spirit. And the second piece, especially in John chapter 5, as the discussion goes back and forth, when you get to John 5, 38, Jesus pointed to them and says, you search the Scripture, the graphe, the written words on paper. He says, you search the Scripture because you think you'll find life in them, but you cannot see me, the living Christ, the word out of heaven, the one who literally speaks to you. You cannot see me. And that, to me, is an alarming statement. You should, you should study this um, a lot deeper in your own study. But John 5, 38, 39, and 40, you know, when Jesus says, you actually search the Scripture, you have an appearance of being godly, you have appearance of being righteous, because you understand the Scripture, the, what, what the Greek word is graphe. He says, but you can't see me, the living word. So Jesus distinguishes his voice and the spoken voice of the Lord as a, as a higher um, element. And actually, the, very, the only thing that gives life is the living voice. Because the, the Pharisee actually knew the scripture, but they neglected and refused the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because it required them not to appear like they were presenting the dove in a cage that the people couldn't see. They thought they were seeing the real thing. They, saw, they thought they were, they were getting the full package of the Holy Spirit when they were actually just getting a false representation. Okay, and Jesus is saying, he, he, you know, Jesus called the Pharisees liars, dead men's bones. You are of your father, the devil. He said, you are, you are, you are vipers and serpents. That's what he told these guys that knew the scripture, but did not know the Holy Spirit and actually refused the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so my question to you is, are you subject to the Holy Spirit and truly at the will of the Lord? Or are you controlling the Holy Spirit either in your church or in your personal life? Because if you are not flowing through the voice of the Holy and flowing by the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're fooling yourself. Okay. You know, you can ask the question at this point, is 30% of the Holy Spirit okay? Okay. So, so you open the door of the cage, you got 30%. Is that okay? The answer to that is absolutely not. How about 50%? You take the dove out, its wings are clipped, it has a dog collar around its neck, and, and, a, and a pretty young girl is holding it to make it appear like it's innocent and you're getting the real thing, but you're really not, right? 60%, 80%, 90%.
the answer to anything other than 100 percent is 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 you know it's 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 a false representation it's fake and and you you can present scripture and and have a an appearance of godliness um but you don't function in the apostolic if you are not at the mercy of the holy spirit the apostolic which is actually what the vision portrayed is is actually a representation of what the true image of the church should be you know in 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 ephesians 4:11 jesus says he he actually gives um the fivefold ministry the the pastor teacher uh the evangelist um the apostle and the prophet he gives them to the church these are gifts to the church um and i actually i actually say it this based on based on the way that jesus showed showed me in this vision and dream and what i've studied um, I actually believe it's the fourfold ministry. I think the the uh, the eagle represents um, the the prophet. Um, the man represents the pastor teacher. Okay. The lion represents the apostle, and the ox represents the evangelist. Okay. And the only way the apostolic ministry functions in a church is when all of those giftings the leadership and the apostolic giftings are subject to the dove okay it all centers back to the embrace of the holy spirit if you are not embracing the holy spirit it it's fake it's 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 a lie it's it's unfruitful i don't care how i don't care how you entice people to come i don't care if you you get them to the altar um to claim jesus if you are not teaching them to follow the voice and embrace the power of the Holy Ghost, the very thing that Jesus sent that would equip and build his church, then it's it's fake. It's it's a lie. And so, you know, it's only the release of the dove that allows the wind to blow in the church. What happened on the day of Pentecost? We had to wait. They had to they had to to literally wait in prayer, expect the Lord to speak or expect the Lord to do something. They didn't know what he was going to do. But Acts chapter two, um, you know, the day of Pentecost, they actually had to pray and wait. And suddenly there was the sound of a mighty rushing what wind. It was a wind of God. It was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that transformed these men who literally weeks earlier were running for their life. They claimed, you know, Peter claimed, I'll never leave you, Lord. And on the night of the crucifixion, he runs for his life, shaking in fear for weeks. Jesus comes and restores them and tells them all, you wait in this city. You do not go anywhere until the wind of heaven comes and transforms you, changes you into something supernatural. And you all know the story on Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. You got this guy, Peter. He stands up in front of thousands, the very people who, who were chanting, crucify, crucify, weeks earlier. Now the boldness of the Holy Ghost that just changed him hours earlier is, is emboldening him so profoundly that he stands in front of the people because the people are now, the people who are in the upper room are pouring out into the street. They're laughing. They're, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is just supernatural. It's, it's beyond anybody's comprehension. In fact, they thought they were drunk. Peter had to stand up and say, no, no, this is that. This is what was prophesied in the book of Jewel, that he would pour up out his spirit upon all flesh. 
You would dream dreams, prophesy. You would see the vision of the Lord. That's actually his voice. The voice comes out of the wind. It does not come out of people simply sitting down alone with a Bible trying to study their way to Jesus. You cannot study your way to Jesus. You, your heart has to embrace the fact that you need a Savior. Conviction is just a starting point. Transfiguration, transformation, and change are an act of the Spirit. It's not an act of simply man's will trying to change themselves. It's not possible. If man could do it without Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you, there would be no need. But the revelation of this process is spiritual transformation cannot be achieved through a man sitting at a table for hours a day memorizing scripture and trying to develop their own philosophy and, and position on what it means and how to apply it. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is actually following the Holy Spirit, the voice of God, the wind is, is the, what flows and moves in the church. And Jesus said this, in, uh, uh, as, G as Jesus is explaining in John chapter 3, he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom. You must be born again to enter the kingdom. He then goes on to, on to say in uh, verse 7 and 8, he says, you must be um, born again to be moved by the wind. So he connects born again with the embrace of the dove, the embrace of the wind of heaven, the embrace of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not about man's strength, man's ability. It's actually about man submitting his will fully to, to the way of the Spirit. And so I don't care how, how, how good the church looks, how good the preacher is, how good the, uh, the worship team is, how, how they use scripture or, or whatever. The answer, the, the question is, are you subjecting yourself in leadership and as a congregation to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying? And is, are, you, are you allowing the voice of God to build the church, move the church, and release the church out into the streets. It, it is supposed to pour out into the streets, into the city. It, they're supposed to be healing, signs, wonders, the supernatural, things that man cannot do. It's the very thing that testifies of, of Jesus Christ being present. And so that's, that's really the evidence of your embrace of the dove. Is the supernatural, is the power of the Holy Ghost working in your life? Jesus said this, in Mark 16, go into the world, preach the gospel, and these signs will follow you. Not maybe, not 80%, not 20%, 10%. These signs, 100%, will follow you if you are led by the Spirit, if you have embraced the way of the kingdom. These signs will follow you. You will cast out devils. You will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. You will, you, you will uh, pray in tongues. And, and then when you move into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will prophesy. First Corinthians chapter 12, it says um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, words of knowledge, prophecy, faith, the working of miracles, discernment, spiritual discernment, this the ability to see visions in the spirit, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And so this is, this is actually the supernatural evidence of your embrace of the Holy Spirit. And it's not rocket science. The answer is, are you willing to lay down your own will and stop appearing righteous, stop appearing like you, you've achieved or arrived and basically submit your life wholly to the Holy Spirit? At that point, when you submit your life 
fully to the Holy Spirit, supernatural things are automatic, okay? And I'll tell you a few supernatural stories here in a minute, but I want to emphasize that, you know, the eagle, like I said, the eagle, the eagle has to flap its wings. Prophecy is not an optional thing. The, the only way the wind is released, the only way the demonic powers are driven out is through the, the, the spirit of prophecy, okay? How did the Lord change the darkness in Genesis 1? It says that there was, it was void without out form. That's basically the demonic presence was on earth, okay? The Lord actually spoke into the darkness John chapter 1 says the Lord spoke into the darkness. The darkness couldn't comprehend it, couldn't stop it, couldn't resist it, couldn't do anything. Because when the light comes out of the direct voice of God, uh, out, of, out of the power of the, of the word, right? Jesus is the word. Jesus in heaven, it says that Jesus formed the foundations of the world. He spoke out of heaven. And so that's, that's the greatest symbol I can give you in terms of the reflection of what really, what mirror are you looking into? What are you reflecting? Are you simply reflecting words on paper? You know, Paul, Paul called the scripture a mirror. He, did he say it was holy? Absolutely. But he did say this in, in, in the book of Romans. He said, the scripture alone is a mirror to reveal to you that you actually need a living God. You actually need the voice of God. You can't do it on your own. And so man is supposed to fall on his face and cry out that they would be able to look into the mirror of the Holy Spirit. And when you look into the mirror of the Holy Spirit, which if you get if you get to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, where there's an explanation of, of uh, we are changed from glory to glory. The only way you are changed from glory to glory is when you... When you, when you get up off your face, you are looking into the mirror of the Holy Spirit and he says something so new, so profound, so supernatural to you that it transforms you. You fall on your face. You're overcome with glory. You're overcome with, with uh, just being undone in the Holy Ghost. And you get yourself together. You get back up. You look in his face again. And he speaks to you. He transforms you again by the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's, what, that's, that's how we as believers are to move through life, being in awe of seeing uh, into the mirror of the Holy Spirit and, and hearing the voice of God. And it transfigures us. And so the eagle is very important in its, its role in the church because the wind, without the wind, the, whole, the, the rest of it will never officially happen. You can have guys that are have strong natural giftings and try to organize a bunch of people and it can appear righteous and you're standing on the street corner beating drums and uh, trying to convince people to believe in scripture. None of that stuff is ever much has much fruit in it. You know why? Because it's done without the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit leads you out there and you begin to pray and release the Holy Spirit, You'll see, you'll see many, many people transform before your eyes. And so the pastor teacher, um, as I said, you know, the pastor teacher is actually supposed to be a supernatural equipper. Um, he's, he's, he or she is the guy that, uh, you know, does deliverance ministry, does, does the things with uh, helping people, you know, change the clothing they wear, change the dirtiness they wear, change the unforgiveness they wear. They rip, they help rip that stuff off as they're led by the Holy Spirit. 
And, and just like Isaiah 61 says that the, the Lord will equip you in the new clothing of the Holy Spirit. That's what the pastor teacher does. They, they are literally an equipper. They, they change the false identity of people and equip them with the true identity, um, the destiny with which Christ gave. And so that destiny is not, it's not of this world. It can't be discovered of this world. Um, it actually says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter three, it says that the Lord locks destiny in the heart of a man and only the key of the Lord can open it. And so the pastor teacher, along with the, the prophet and the apostle, um, as, as the church is being put in order, the people are being clean. They're being delivered. They're being, um, they're embracing the Holy Spirit at this point. That's a transformation process that's supernatural. It's a partnering with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so by the time the lion comes around, um, the lion is in a position when he starts to roar, when he's when the lion starts to, um, you know, speak, you know, the people literally come into order, not because the apostle is speaking on their own accord or what they think is right. A true apostle is led by the spirit and the people begin being put in order they be, you know, small groups. There's, there's a group that's going to go do ministry work at the hospital. There's another group that the Lord calls um, to, you know, go down to the Boys and Girls Club and, and help the, the, the kids that are needy and don't, don't have anything. And they begin to equip them with the Holy Spirit. You know, another guy takes teams over to, to Africa um, to do crusades because there's a calling there. That is really what an apostolic, call, an apostolic leader does. It's not designed to grow numbers inside of a church. Certainly there's elements to that if, if indeed there's unique callings around that. But the true measure of an, of an apostle is the alternate equipping, the order that is set in place, and the positioning of the people to be launched into their destiny and calling. If, if the design is that the numbers of the church are the, are the first and only thing, and ultimately people are supposed to be inside the church, you know, at all costs, multiple days a week for the sole purpose of the numbers and the tithing of the church, that's the wrong mission, guys. The mission of Christ ultimately is to multiply, okay? And the only way true multiplication happens is through the outpouring and the power of the Holy Spirit and ultimately the awakening of every person's identity in Christ. Every person has a purpose and a call. And the apostle actually works to help individuals, help teams, help the order of the church come together. And if you remember in the vision, um, when, the, when the lion began to roar, the people started getting in small groups and columns and in order, and they began to pray in tongues. And I saw people prophesying. That is actually the equipping power of the apostle. Okay. And the evidence of that multiplication or the, or they're about to be a multiplication is that equipping that apostolic equipping of the people that when they are equipped to hear the voice of God, that they are ready. Okay. They don't need like 10,000 approvals to embrace and do the call of God on their life. They need to have confidence in hearing God and following the voice of God. And ultimately, full dependence comes with the Holy Spirit. And when people are ready, as the apostle leads people 
to be fully ready because they're confident in, in no, not, you know, there's support structure with churches and certainly relationships in the church, but that's not the true call of the apostle. The true call of the apostle is to equip and empower people to have confidence in the voice of God because there will be people in the congregation who are called to do supernatural things. You know, in my own life, I've had, you know, the Lord led me into uh, India in, in one instance. Um, you know, I've been going to India for five years. I've, I've preached and ministered to over 150,000 people. Um, you know, over 100,000 Hindus came to meetings not knowing Jesus, and they left praying and weeping in the power of the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, awakened to the supernatural. I've worked with uh, thousands and thousands of pastors in India equipping them to hear the voice of God, to pray in the spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, to prophesy. Okay. And, you know, just as an example, in one occasion, um, the Lord, uh, you know, when I go on mission trips, I, I, uh, I'm subject to the, to the leaders and where they're taking me and what they've organized. And they took me to a village, um, one night and they start laughing um, the guy uh, turns around and he says, uh, we've booked you tonight to do magic tricks. And, you know, this guy had a good, re I had a good relationship and, you know, he was speaking, he was laughing and joking with me from the spec perspective that, you know, I have such confidence in the Lord that no matter where I walk into, what room I walk into, I know the Lord will speak to me. I've, you know, no matter what room you walk into, um, you line a hundred people up to me and the Lord will show me vision um, and start to talk to me about the people. And so they had developed such a confidence in me and my gifting that um, they, uh, the only way they got me into this village um and this this was a village that uh, they they worshipped the the cobra the the, the serpent, um, and they were very anti Christian to the point of violence. Um, they were known for um, you know beating Christians, and so you know on this in this one story, um, you know they're laughing and you know they're like oh yeah we we got you into this group of people. You know, there's probably going to be a thousand people here tonight and they're coming because they know you do magic tricks. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. And so I start praying and, and we were about ready to pull into the, into the event. And uh, the Lord starts to talk to me about this girl in a white uh, dress with blue polka dots. And anyway, we get up on stage um, when we get up on stage, we walk in there, couple rows back, right in the middle of the group of people is a, is a young girl. She's probably about 15, 16 years old. Um, she is wearing a white dress with blue polka dots. And the Lord starts to talk to me about um, what he's going to do with her and calling, calling her forward to help me. And so they introduced me. And I'm very cautious because these people... You know, they don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. And so, uh, you know, at this point, um, I, I was going to do, you know, words of knowledge and prophetic ministry uh, with the people. Um, I didn't know how it was going to work out. Uh, I couldn't exactly say this is a gift of the Spirit. I was just going to begin to tell people about their life, not saying that Jesus was speaking to me. But once, you know, they realized that, wow, there's something supernatural and there's a spirit to spirit contact. Um, and the, you know, when the gift is released, 
Um, I, that's what I was banking on. Um, either that or they were going to have to whisk me out of there and put me in a car to save my life uh, if they found out, you know, I was a believer of Jesus Christ. And so um, I call this girl out. My interpreter, uh, you know, he he's helping me. He's, he's interpreting what I'm saying. And um, I asked the girl if I could lay my hand on her and pray for her. And as soon as I laid my hand on her, um, she fell out in the spirit. She fell onto the ground. She was motion. She was, there was no motion in her. She was, she was out cold in the spirit. So I don't know if any, any of you listening have ever um, experienced anything like that, but it was so supernatural. Um, the mother jumped up, ran up, and uh, started moving her, okay? And she's screaming, and the interpreter's saying, she's saying she's dead. She's saying she's dead. Um, she's not moving. And um, they got her calmed down, and, um, you know, some, you know, the interpreter and a couple of the guys with me basically said, oh, she's breathing. She's okay. Um, and I realized at this moment that Jesus was doing something supernatural. I didn't know what, um, but, uh, Jesus was going to preach this night, okay? And um, so I started explaining, um, you know, some of the ways in which the Holy Spirit, I did not use the word Jesus. I used the Holy Spirit to explain um, some details of, quote unquote, how I do my magic tricks. And as I started to talk for, you know, I'm talking for about 10 or 15 minutes, the mother is literally still sitting down in front of the people sitting beside her daughter. She's motion. She's, there's no motion in this girl. Okay. And I don't know exactly where I'm going next. Right. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say next. Um, I'm just, I'm literally counting on the Holy Spirit to lead me in what I'm saying at this moment. Suddenly the girl wakes up. She stands up. The mother is smiling. She's hugging her. And, um, I had the interpreter, um, basically we got her and we started to interview her in front of the people. And, you know, the girl basically starts to say that um, I was taken to this place called heaven and I met um, a man that was glowing. His name is Jesus Christ. And I did not preach that night, guys. I, I, had, I, was, in, I was put in a place to rely on the voice of the Lord. And as supernatural as that sounds, Jesus Christ himself preached through a girl who came back and testified that she was taken to heaven and that Jesus Christ is real. It's no joke. Within five minutes, the people, the whole group of people are, are coming forward and they have their hands up and they are, they are saying, pray for me, pray for me. I want, I want this Jesus. I want this Holy Spirit. I mean, the girl was laughing. The girl with the white polka dot dress was laughing. She, all she kept saying is, she, he's real, he's real. Tears are running down her face. She's trembling and shaking. The mother's on her knees, weeping. She can't stand up. The presence of God is overwhelming the people. And the people are literally undone in, in the power of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, people that were, were literally took vows to wound, hurt, um, and, and in some cases kill Christians. Um, they were coming forward that night and were transformed by a supernatural act 
of the Holy Spirit. That's called a word of knowledge. That's called um, supernaturally relying on the presence and the voice of the Lord. And that I'm telling you that story because the only way I was prepped to be called and go to India is because, you know, I, I was I grew up in a church where I learned the voice of the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit um, took me on a journey, a personal journey to grow my faith in trusting and believing in what the Lord is saying to me. And so the purpose and the call of the apostle, the lion, is actually to position the people to hear God, give them a platform to actually use their giftings, to use uh, their abilities and their reliance on the Holy Spirit. And that is what positions people then to follow the Holy Spirit out into the world. That's really what a church is called to be and to do. A church is not supposed to be the place that people spend 50 years in the same place doing the same thing. Um, a church is actually meant really for an equipping process and there's relational dynamics of that. Certainly there will people be people that stay in one place their whole life and that's okay. But ultimately um, the call to go has to be so heavy on the heart of the people because their centerpiece is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that what that's what positions people to be put into the yoke of Christ. And, you know, in, in the book of Romans, it talks about, you know, this yoke. Um, and in the book of John, it talks about this yoke of Christ. So when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this, regarding spiritual giftings, do not be ignorant. The word spirituals is the word pneumaticos that actually means the wind. It's a Greek word that means uh, the movement of the wind. So what Paul's saying is regarding the wind, uh, do not be ignorant. Do not, do not try to do it without the wind. Do not um, be negligent or not value the power of the wind because the kingdom of heaven is wind driven. You cannot develop a church, you cannot build a church, you cannot lead people in the kingdom if the wind of heaven is not present, because it's the wind of heaven that imparts the spiritual giftings. It's the wind of heaven. Um, Paul goes on to, on to say in 1 Corinthians 12 um, that, you know, the giftings are tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, working of miracles, healing, discernment. Spiritual discernment is an impartation. It's a gift. All of these giftings require impartation. It's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit impartation. It's an equipping of the spirit. It's not something that people can do by learning about it. It has to literally be received. And so the time should not be spent on um, trying to learn your way. It's not actually possible to learn your way to Jesus. It has to be received. It's a, the kingdom is faith-oriented. It, it, there is no other key that opens up the realm of the Spirit. And so it's about, okay, I want the Holy Spirit. I'm embracing the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you um, to baptize me, okay? Um, and it's, the, it's this baptism of the Holy Spirit that actually um, is what is the power of the church. It transfigures the church. It uh, positions a true apostolic nature in the church, uh, the equipping of the people in the church, the purpose of the church is all revealed and found um, when the wind, when the dove is actually embraced. And so this is really um, 
you know, this is no, no small thing. It's actually the centerpiece of the kingdom. And the centerpiece of the kingdom is so important that, you know, I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you another story. Um, and you know, the Lord, the Lord sends me all over the place. The Lord has woken me up to send me to places. He's woken me up on Sunday mornings. I thought I was doing one thing. He tells me to go to another church because he gives me a vision for a pastor or a person in a church. Um, I, the Lord has sent me to the other side of the world, to India. Um, you know, the example I gave you with the polka dot, uh, dress, I had to trust him in a supernatural thing. And so, um, in this following story, um, I was in a city close to Vijwada, India. Um, and you know, I was, uh, I was in a mission where I was, I just happened to be doing pastor's conference, uh, different pastor's conferences. Um, I think I did five in five days, um, in different regions, um, within several hours of Vijwada. Um, and uh, the interpreter, the guy with me, is the the uh, he he's the current leader of Five Stones Ministries in India. The the guy that uh, the Lord pointed out to me several years ago and uh, planted there. Um, and I've poured into him and his family, and um, we've we've uh, we've baptized thousands and thousands of people in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this guy knows my heart. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's been the guy with me in 10,000 person crusades. Um, I trust the guy. Um, and in this one particular event, um, you know, we had about 200 pastors in this pastor's conference and, um, we're sitting in worship before the, uh, the, the meeting started. And all of a sudden the Lord showed me, um, he started talking to me about a man that was in the back corner of the church, um, Holy Spirit pointed him out, started showing me visions of the man. And the, the vision was essentially um, that the Lord, there was a river that the Lord wanted to pour out from this man's heart that would impact the region. Um, but he had his hands over his heart and he was holding back the river. And um, I leaned over to my interpreter during worship and I said, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to teach regularly today with what I was planning on doing. The Lord is changing direction. And he said, what, what, what are we going to do? And I, I started to explain the man and the vision. He turned, my interpreter turned completely white. He, I've never seen him concerned and scared um, like he was in that moment. And I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you? What, why, you know, why are you, what's going on? And he says, he goes, you don't understand. That man is, he's the most powerful person here. He is the leader of these 200 pastors. Um, and he is so anti-Holy Spirit um, that, you know, there's just no way. And I said, well, how did, how, did you, how did you get them to do this meeting if you knew who I was and what this is all about? And he says, well, we gave them extra money, <laughs> which, hey, I don't have a problem Um I pay, I pay, the Lord has made my way and given me money. The people have walked out of nowhere giving me money to send me around the other side of the world to take the power of the Holy Spirit in the different places. And so I certainly understand that. Um, and so <clears throat> I, I said, well, this is the way we're going to do this. If you don't want to interpret or you feel like you're in jeopardy or, you know, your relationship or whatever, we'll get somebody else who goes, no, no, I'll help you. And so we stand up, I call the, 
I call the guy in the back corner to come forward and I start to tell this guy the vision of the Lord that the Lord actually wants to use him to pour out his spirit and not hinder the move of the spirit. And so I pe- the, the vision pegged him. The vision actually pinpointed the, the root issue of his heart and the way he was limiting the move of the spirit in his region. And this isn't unusual for India. Um, 90 plus percent of the places I go and the reason why the Lord sends me there is um, most of these guys do not embrace the Holy Spirit. They've been taught by different denominations um, about Scripture. And so their life and perspective of Jesus is simply by Scripture. But the growth of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit can only happen through an embrace of the Spirit. And so anyway, so this guy is standing in front of me. I explained the vision. As I was speaking the vision, his body starts to shake. His knees start to wobble. Um, he comes under the power of the Holy Spirit. He falls down to his knees and he starts to cry in front of all of these people. He starts to cry and uh, he, he then starts to repent. Uh, the Spirit of God was literally convicting this man through a vision, through, through um, a prophetic guy giving a vision. This guy is literally in front of 200 people and his whole life is being turned upside down. And within a couple minutes, this guy starts praying in the power of tongues. Tongues start flying out of his mouth. He cannot stop uh, the gift of tongues. He's shaking. He's weeping. And when all of these 200 other pastors saw that this man was now embracing the Holy Spirit, that suddenly he was made a show. This man was literally made a spectacle. You know how the scripture says that Paul was made a spectacle? This man was made a spectacle of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we spent the next two hours, people were coming forward in groups and, you know, you know, we're praying for people. The whole room gets baptized in the Holy Ghost as this guy opens the floodgate through one word of knowledge. And so that's, you know, that's an example, guys, of the wind being allowed, the dove being allowed to um, move freely in a church setting. And, um, you know, I'll tell you this, <clears throat> I trust in the Holy Spirit no matter where I go. I do not rely. I do not, I am not limited by um, anything or any form of religion, any demonic power. Um, when I go places, I can tell you stories to the cows come home about going into churches that did not embrace the Holy Spirit. And by the time I left, people were weeping and shaking and praying in the power of tongues. Um, and prophesying and seeing visions because um, the Lord pointed out the limitation and and released his spirit in fullness upon upon people. And so that's where I've learned to embrace and trust the Holy Spirit in that process. And so, you know, the embrace and the way the, the church is the function is actually the spirit is the first and foremost love that is supposed to be in the heart of a believer. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting with verse 1 through 5. I'll read it here. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So prophecy is the goal, but it comes through love and embrace of the Spirit. And actually, you know, people have a hard time with this. They, you know, you have on one on one side, you know, you have you have a, a, a denominational tilt where, oh yeah, you don't need the gifts, all you need is love. Well, that's a lie. 
because if you love, if you are, are you, if you are connected to the Spirit of God, the gifts are natural. That's the way the Lord speaks. You can't help but flow in the gifts. If you are in love with Him, if you're in love with Him and are in your own personal prayer life, He will speak to you. And when He speaks, something's going to happen. It, either there's, there's going to be healing. There's going to be prophecy. There's going to be the working of miracles. There's going to be discerning of spirits, seeing, seeing in the realm of, of, of the Spirit, seeing demons, seeing angels. Um, tongues, supernatural tongues and interpretation of tongues. The gifts of the Spirit are the outcrop of your love for the Holy Spirit. So any twist of that is a, is a false doctrine. Um, and so, I mean, the other side is the religious side that you don't need, you don't need the Holy Spirit that passed away. That didn't, that, that doesn't exist anymore. When Paul died, that no longer exists, exists. That's a lie too, because when this, when Paul says pursue love, you know, in, in first Corinthians chapter 13, the whole scripture is about love, um, and the functioning of love, um, and that's actually more about your relationship with the Spirit than it is about people. Because only in your relationship with the Spirit can true love flow and impact the people around you. And so, again, Paul says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, right? Expect them. Don't be ignorant of them. Embrace the wind, especially that you may prophesy. And he goes on, uh, verse 5, he says, I wish you all prayed in tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Now, that doesn't mean that you should just prophesy and not pray in tongues. It's actually not very... Tongues is actually what the Lord equips you with to pray so that you can hear his voice. Um, if, you, if you've not listened to my teaching on the gift of tongues, I encourage you uh, to get the, 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 the teaching. We go into a deep revelation and understanding on why the Lord equips you with a supernatural language um, and how he promises to speak to you and you get awakened to his voice as you pray in tongues. That's why he gives you that gift and it's usually it's typically the first gift that flows out of a person. So you know in other places you know you know the scripture says do not forget forbid praying in tongues. That's in personal life and in a prayer setting. Um, many many church settings you know you are to come together and pray in the Spirit and call on the Lord to speak and lead you as a church. Um, that's, that's actually the vision that I presented to you. Um, an embrace of the dove will produce the fivefold ministry or, or, or you know, the, the four um, giftings um, of, of uh, apostolic leadership. And from there, the supernatural, um, if, you embrace the, if you embrace the dove, the supernatural will flow. Okay, so what's it look like? So when you get down to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 14, um, going on to verse 24, he's explaining tongues and what happens when the gift of tongues. And when he gets to verse 24, he says, he's explaining that when you pray in tongues, prophecy will be the outcrop of that. Prophecy will be the product. You actually hear the voice of God prophets people with the gift of prophecy will will stand up and say this is what the lord is saying and so when you get to first corinthians chapter 14 verse 24 he says but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in 
He is convinced. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Okay, so this goes hand in hand with my description of the pastor in a room of 200 people that the Lord pointed out to me in a vision. And when the Lord spoke to him, he transformed the whole room. This guy, I speak the vision to this pastor, right? He's holding his heart. The the religion is holding his heart from flowing. That was the vision. And that he was called to, you know, a river is designed. It actually changes the, 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 the surface. It changes the landscape where a river flows. And so this guy is called to actually change the landscape by allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through him that he was resisting. And when I spoke the the convicting word of the Holy Spirit, just as Paul is describing here, the guy falls on his knees, shaking in the presence of the Lord, and he's transformed before your eyes. That is the power of prophecy, and that is what should be expected. I can tell you guys so many of these supernatural stories, it's unreal. And I've learned to trust the voice of God, and He sends me places because that is what I do. I speak what the Lord is showing me, okay? And so, you know, guys, I think at this point that, you know, we should, um, I want to pray for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you would completely let go of dead religion and embrace the way of the Spirit because it is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh and dead religion and and scriptural memorization and trying to conform to it, there's no life in that. That's actually condemnation. The Lord actually um, gave scripture to people in Israel who refused to come up the mountain to, to see him face to face. Why? Moses was actually in the in the first round of Ten Commandments sent down to bring the people back up. Read it. Genesis chapter 20. They refused. And so what happened? The Lord said, okay, I'll give you words on stone to reflect your heart. You have a heart of stone. And when you realize, oh my God, I need a living God and not just words on stone, words on paper, right? Like the, like the Pharisees, they, were, they, were, they worshiped words on paper. They did not worship the living God and they couldn't recognize Jesus. And so the Lord is actually, he sent the Holy Spirit to do for the people what the people couldn't do themselves. It's the Holy Spirit that leads you up to, to have the encounter with the Lord. Okay? And so I just want to pray right now because I, I believe the Lord wants to send his Holy Spirit upon every listener right here to transform your life, to um, awaken you, and to launch you into your apostolic calling in Christ. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person Lord, under the sound of my voice, Lord, that according to your promise, that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh, that people would dream dreams and see the vision of the Lord, and they would prophesy. Lord, I pray for the wind to come. Lord, in Jesus' name, you said, do not be ignorant of the wind. So, Father, I pray, Lord, let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon every person right now that is listening to me. Lord, let the burning in their heart begin to um, uh, be breathed upon. Lord, that new life would come into their heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the gift 
gift of tongues to be activated. I pray for prophecy, healing, words of knowledge, all the supernatural giftings of the Spirit, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name for the power to come upon them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now, activate the gift of tongues in every person listening in Jesus' name. So if you're listening right now, just begin to pray with me. It sounds like a baby at first. It sounds like a goo goo gaga, but whatever syllable is on your tongue, don't think it with your mind. You let it flow out of your heart. Amen. Okay. Shialalabaso, pro pa pa pa, si te 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 she, pepeara batola, berende balabando, bushe balabato, kule balabande, dimbe balabando, bonde balabandi, bende balabande, Binde balabando babo babara ereato ba a te 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 she ke be 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 de de be de 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 aba baba alo o de beriala bora beala ando bro shanto po salaba ante balabala kerinde tinde bunde alabato doje e de brea mama mama ando borek te tio bashala ba ando bushela bisiro ote breke di ando bushala ba ando bushinto bunde bre be in de bushala basunto, shikalabasia, prealaba ando brosha, carinde bushala, bande bulabala ede alaba ando, beri andole ebende bala ando, bushala ba ala ecte, be ete te 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 she, bio dararaba andodo, gio bababa andea, narita, barito, colette, calato, cushea, pacala, casto bushito, breke bindole ebende. Now, I want to encourage you guys. There's That is nothing that a man can create on his own. That is the flow of the Holy Ghost. That is actually called the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you, um, get the teachings that I have um, on on the, 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 the gift of tongues. Tongues is the centerpiece of, of your spiritual awakening and your spiritual relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is actually the Spirit praying through you. And my goodness... Why would we not embrace our God that sends his spirit to do what we could never do on our own? He actually equips you to pray um, through the spirit, the, the spirit interpreting your heart and praying through you the perfect will of God. And so I encourage you get those teachings, um, spend time with them. Um, the centerpiece of your Christian walk has to be your prayer life. I pray in tongues several hours every day. I wake up early in the morning. I pray in tongues um, and that's when the Lord speaks to me. That's where I learned to get the vision of the Lord. And that's, you know, that that is the centerpiece of my life. And so that's why the Lord sends me places. That's why he wakes me up and tells me to go places because I can hear him, right? Um, every correction, every correction that Jesus gave in the book of Revelation to the seven churches, he ends it with this. To hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Okay? And I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would hear what the Spirit is saying. That you would get the vision of the Lord. That you would have, have the dream of the Lord. That you would recenter your life in your personal prayer life. And that you would, you would um, cause your church to burn. That, that you're, you're, because of your presence and your love for the Holy Spirit. That you would begin to burn that you would just begin to burn so brightly because you hear the voice of God so fluently that you become supernatural, like Paul said would happen to those who believe. <clears throat> you know, I can tell you stories where, um, 
You know, the Lord led me for a season um, prior to the Lord sending me to India. Um, in 2011, the Lord said, I want you to pray in tongues six hours a day. And I can't explain it, but the Lord would wake me up. And I, I, I you know, I work a full-time job, um, <clears throat> but the Lord would make this time. I had three kids, I, you know, basketball, football, volleyball, all kind of stuff. But somehow the Lord made me, made time. And like, you know, there were nights that, you know, I only had a few hours sleep, but I felt like I was plugged into electricity. And so I encourage you to pursue him with all your heart. Um, I prayed in tongues for over six hours a day for a year. And during that time is when heaven opened up to me. Jesus came to me. Um, he started introducing me to angels. Um, he would he would take me. He took me to heaven on many occasions. He explained things about the spirit. I saw things in heaven. He equipped me um, and with with, with uh, different clothings and, and different weapons, different purposes. Um, long before he sent me to India to do supernatural and, and to and to help lead, you know, the spiritual awakening in different churches in America, um, it all centered through a prayer life. Um, and there's there's no you can't fake it, guys. You cannot um, claim Christianity and not have a prayer life because without a prayer life, there is no relationship. I don't care who you are, um, you know. You should probably ask your pastor, tell me about your prayer life. And if he says, eh, I spend about five minutes a day, you should probably run from that place. Amen. And so um, a person who's in love with the Holy Spirit will allow the Holy Spirit to flow because they know that it's the Holy Spirit that produces life and leads them and, and produces all life around them. And so I just encourage you guys um, you know, embrace the Holy Spirit, uh, seek, seek him with all your heart, love him with all your heart and watch the kingdom of heaven, uh, just get poured out in your life. Amen. Thank you. And, uh, if you were in Toledo sometime, come by, uh, the school of the Holy Spirit in Toledo, look me up, David Cuppet, Five Stone Ministries. And, um, we have people coming from all over the place, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. We had a person come a few weeks ago from Wisconsin, drove nine hours with his family for the sole purpose of getting awakened in the power of the Holy Ghost. He started, he literally started a, a revival um, moment in our school. We called him up. First thing we did was we called him up, prayed for him. They got, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. They start praying in tongues and laughter, holy laughter entered the room. It was kind of like the day of Pentecost when Peter had to stand up and say, this is that. It was supernatural. Um, it was like, it was like warm, hot butter came down over the people and the whole room, everybody in the room was laughing hysterically for hours. It was, it was truly an act of God. It was a supernatural thing. Um, it reminded me of the scripture where Peter says, we are not drunk as you suppose, but we are intoxicated by the love of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Almighty God. So guys, uh, have a good week, pray hard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. 
You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.